0: Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm your host, Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry of the Cat's Paws. Derek, how are you today?
1: Sean, I'm doing well. Very well. Let's go ahead and let's get right into this. What do you say?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So you were up in uh, northern Kentucky yesterday, correct? Yes, I was. Watching uh, potential future Wildcat and Sky Clark. Uh, someone who I know you're familiar with and who I I guess most of Kentucky fans by this point uh, are pretty familiar with for the class of 22. So, Sean, just what would you think about him up there and kind of what was the whole gist of that up there yesterday, what was going on, and your main takeaways from yesterday?
0: Very talented, Scott Clark, Uh, 2022 guard for now. I know it's been said that he won't reclassify to 21, but it's something you and I have talked about in the past that we heard the same thing by Devin Askew and then he ended up reclassifying. So I think it's something to watch, uh, for Kentucky's 2020, 2022 class and possibly 2021. But first live look at Scott's the first time I've got to see him, you know, there's some other guys on the beat that have seen him multiple times, but man, I went away impressed. I got to watch him for about an hour and a half to two hours, uh, just a little bit of up and down the floor, uh, Man handles the ball. His passing is off the chart. Like that, to me, he's best with the ball in his hands. There were some names there yesterday. Uh Jerry Cumberland that played at Cincinnati recently, he was there. Uh there were some other prospects and stuff from the area that that got together. But man, that kid can flat out play. Uh he showed up in a UK shirt, Derek. When you when you see that, how if you're one of these other schools and he's not made his announcement official yet or anything, if if it's not gone – if it has definitely hasn't gone public, if he has decided. But what do you think these other schools are thinking when you see one of your top recruits just show up? And this isn't the first time he's done this. I mean, this is like multiple times he showed up in U.K. gear.
1: It's done. Uh, that's <laughs> not what I think. Uh, there's no chance for you if you're not Kentucky. Uh, I was informed, I guess, about a month ago is when I put my crystal – I almost never put in crystal ball picks for basketball. I, I try to know what I am on this U.K. beat occasionally football recruiting, I'll get some stuff. Basketball recruiting, I, I pretty much never even try. So, we have guys, and you know, Chris Fisher at Cat does that for us anyway. He doesn't really need my help, but I was told a month ago that it was pretty much a done deal. Sky was coming to UK, so I went ahead and put in a crystal ball. But he seems to me, Sean, like – I'm trying to think of just, like, major locks over the years. Like, I think Michael Kidd-Gilchrist was pretty much from the jump since Cal got hired from Memphis was – told he was going to be a uk guy everybody's assumed it i am probably forgetting some other guys i know i am probably but like sky i don't think there's any kind of uh any kind of suspense in this recruitment i mean i think he's going to be a cat and him showing up there yesterday rocking the uk shirt it's he's not even trying to hide it i don't think no
0: he wasn't i mean it was uh, that uk logo was popping on that black shirt and stuff with uh with pictures and stuff and you know keely got some pictures that i'm going to post later today of sky and i mean he just you could tell he showed up with that uk logo on and didn't care about it
1: so can you provide a little bit more background about kind of his story because his profile lists him as being from brent One academy but it also says he's from california so kind of how did he end up in tennessee and what, which, what do you know about that
0: I'm not as plugged in onto that as some others are. I know Travis Graff and, De- and Jack Pilgrim are really plugged in with Sky's recruitment, and they were there yesterday as well. So he recently, I think in spring is when he moved to, to Brentwood Academy. Uh, I'm trying to think here. So 22 guards, so he'll be a junior this year, mm-hmm. correct, at Brentwood. Uh, not really sure on that. I do know that he has six siblings, and his brother was there yesterday and is a class of twenty-four recruit. Uh, right. Good size, yeah, good sized kid, uh, just like Sky. He actually, he hurt his ankle yesterday, but he seems like he's going to be okay. I don't think it was anything broken, but so that was literally the first thing that happened in the workout, and I'm like, oh God, this is going <laughs> south from the start. Uh, but I don't know a ton about the background info of Sky but I do know, you know, I I did get his dad's number yesterday, so I'm hoping to be a little bit more plugged in with following some things with his recruitment, but uh, Derek, it just looks like that this will be the next commitment off the board for Kentucky, regardless of class. I mean, it sure seems like it's moving in that direction in the next, I'd be surprised in the next month if we don't hear something. I mean, he showed up in a UK shirt and kept it on the entire time.
1: Yeah, whether or not he reclassifies, I mean, I guess it remains to be seen, but If he does commit and assume U.K. gets no other guys in 21 before Sky decides, I mean, he's going to be – they'll have a 22 commitment before they do 21. So, I know they still are are on several guys, but it's just amazing to me. Uh, Kind of the level of recruiting, and I won't go off too far of a tangent here, but I'm looking at Sky's ranking. He's 15th in the country. In 24-7, we list all of the top commitments. And I'm looking at this. I don't think he's even going to be in the top 25 of all-time commitments at U.K., he wouldn't be, with his ranking. The fifteenth player in the country in his class would not even be listed as a top twenty-five recruit all-time at UK. That's just insane what John Calipari has done in recruiting.
0: It's it's insane. It, that's I think that's the best word to describe <laughs> it uh, because when I went there yesterday and I watched him, he's he's clearly one of the best guards in high school basketball right now. Just that was the first time I got to see him, and I, when you look at him, his his overall appearance when you first look at him, you you don't see the things that that's coming. Like, it's kind of misleading. He's not the biggest kid. He's not the strongest kid. But when you watch him with the ball in his hands, it you sort of fall into this trance. You're like, wow, th- this kid can do it. And the way that he manned the court yesterday with guys that are professional players, there were some people there that play overseas that played at uh, NKU and some other schools in the area. Uh, not sure on everybody's names. There were some other uh, prospects there as well. I mean, as young as freshman, going into freshman year in high school. But just the way that he – put this way the team that he went on there was a stretch that they didn't sit down for a while because they just kept winning and it was him and a kid going into freshman year of high school against some professional basketball players so if that tells you anything and I did get some video uh very athletic shifty can finish at the rim with both hands just really impressed me with this handle but you know we talked after uh with some people there and uh, that was the one thing that we i think everybody wants to see him improve on is maybe hit some more open jump shots which he still has time to do that uh, very unselfish player though will make the right play every time down the floor uh would definitely fit into what john calipari does at kentucky he fits that mold of the guys they want um that and there are some other guards out there you know Jaden bradley in that class that could possibly play point guard at kentucky if he decides to come to kentucky and sky Mike could play off the ball i I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch, but I do think at this point that we can just assume that Sky Clark will be a Kentucky Wildcat.
1: Yeah, I agree. And to wrap up what I was saying previously, so Sky's composite rating is a point nine nine four three. That would be tied with 40th overall for UK. <laughs> That'd be tied with Nick Richards from the 2017 class. So, Scott could be one of the best players in his class, but in terms of uh, where he would rank all time on UK's list, he's barely cracking the top 40. So, remarkable job, but it just shows that, you know, the trend keeps rolling for Cal. I mean, he keeps landing kids like this. It'll be interesting to see. I'm sure Sky, knowing how he is uh, as a point guard, be the leader of whichever class he's in, you got to think he'll be able to attract some other top kids and should give UK another excellent chance to be number one or two in recruiting.
0: Yeah, it should. And we'll stay on the basketball news here with uh, Dwayne Peavy. So the student newspaper at DePaul, the DePaulia, reported that Dwayne Peavy and DePaul have finalized terms for him to become DePaul's next athletic director with an official announcement coming early next week. That is reported by Lawrence Kramer of the student newspaper there at DePaul. So, Derek, I'll ask you this. Dwayne's been there, I think, 12 years Mm-hmm. at kentucky uh i know we've talked about some of the things that he's responsible for uh really a right hand man to cal so he's always there behind the scenes he's always there in meetings i'm assuming uh probably he plays a part in the scheduling like in the basketball schedule and some things like that so i guess what's your initial reaction to this news uh that dwayne Peavy will be leaving kentucky and wow what a uh, what a wild summer for calipari with with a guy that's been pretty consistent with keeping staffs together, there's been a lot of guys move.
1: Yeah, it's just – it's going to be a year of transition for Cal. I mean, PV was someone who has been there. uh, Obviously a different role at at the time when Cal was hired. But Dwayne's been his guy for a long time. Uh, And I think it's big, not just for Cal, but I think it's big for the athletic department when you have a guy like Dwayne who had been in a role for – Twelve years, and I guess about these last ten or eight, eight to ten years, he's he's over. He's been kind of the, the oversight guy for a lot of things. I mean, I think Mitch Barnhart's going to be someone who is going to, you know, be hurt from this. I guess is the word I'm looking for because uh, in a lot of ways, I think Cal and and Dwayne, you know, Dwayne is kind of that liaison, uh, if you call it that, for for Mitch between those two and UK basketball is just such an animal. I think uh, it's such a big operation that you needed someone focused primarily on that program. That's what Dwayne was. You know, he was big and scheduling he was big and orchestrating those ideas with Calipari, whatever Calipari had. Um, you know, he was the liaison between the sec office and UK. I mean, just a, a huge role and whoever, whoever UK hires to replace him. And I've noted who that will be. And again, let's just point out that UK has not confirmed this yet. But at the same time, I think in the, this reporter at the DePaulia, he, he's been on it from the start. Obviously, he's got a source in the DePaul Athletic Department or President's Office, whoever it is who's doing this. Because he, he, he reported two days ago, or I guess maybe on Monday, not two days ago, but on Monday, that PV had been offered the job. And listen, I mean, pv has been finalist before for other AD jobs. He was uh, – UCF was a school – that he, he nearly got that job and I think there's been a few others that he's been last year I think there was one that he was uh, rumored to be a, a finalist for so dwayne has been on the cusp of getting another job To Paul, I mean I think he's walking into a situation that you know it's not a great athletic uh department I want to think um the basketball team is probably the only thing I even know Paul from and that was a uh you know they've not been in this way tournament in like 16 years, so I mean he's gonna have his hands full. He'll be uh, taking over a job that I think he'd be well prepared for though. You know Mitch Barnhart has sent out a lot of great athletic directors guys who have worked at UK and I've gone on. I mean you look at Scott Strickland at uh, Florida, I believe, and Greg Byrne at Alabama, guys who have come through UK. So Dwayne's learned from one of the best, and I think he'll do a great job at DePaul. I just don't know uh, how much of the how much of the mainstream you'll hear from him at a job like DePaul.
0: Good luck to him, though. Like, and when this news does become official, but you you did mention that report and student journalism. I know that that probably makes you happy, Derek. Yeah. Well,
1: I don't know how many people are really covering the Paul athletics. I guess I'm just ignorant on that. But it wouldn't surprise me if if the student newspaper isn't one of the better sources for. I'm sure the Chicago Tribune and places like that cover it. But when you're in a city like that, I mean, pro sports are gonna gonna be the focus there. Not a not a small college.
0: No. Uh, But I guess we'll have to wait and see what this, uh, what this impact is at Kentucky. We'll have to wait and see who is mentioned as a possible, as possible candidates. I'm sure that that will all take, I mean, I guess you have to think this is all going to have to sort of unfold kind of quickly, right? If we're getting into, I mean, we're already into mid August and it's just all this news happening delayed three or four months. And we've said this multiple times. That's what COVID-19 has done is it's forced all this thing sort of – I mean, everything feels like it's jumbled together now. I mean, here at some point in the next two months, Derek, if, football, if college football goes on, we're going to have NBA, college football, NFL football, golf, Major League Baseball, hockey. I mean, all this stuff is going on together, the NBA draft. I mean, it's just uh, – it's wild that this is sort of just jumbled up all this news of decisions that probably would have been made, you know, months ago given normal circumstances.
1: Yeah, I mean, you went from a holding pattern from seem seemed like the end of the NCAA tournament until, I don't even know, all the news hit so fast around COVID. Uh, at one point, you, the NCAA basketball tournament, the rest of uh, is canceled, I mean, the rest of the uh, spring sports, so there was no more college baseball. All that stuff happened like within a day of each other. So you're kind of left at that point in regards to college without really anything to report on until here recently when it started back up with the talks of whether the college football season will happen. And like you said, I mean, it's just kind of throwing things off the Knicks. I don't, I don't know what the whole deal was there because they didn't get invited to the bubble. Did they? They weren't even there. No. So I don't even know why it took so long to get Kenny in there, but uh, regardless, I'm looking at this from Cal's perspective. It's like, he's going to be going through a new, Kind of phase i mean maybe this will rejuvenate him i think cal always feels pretty good at the start of seasons and then he's worn down by the end of it but he'll have some changes um and if he wants to do this for a few more years uh, i think the guys who get in there now will be able to get accommodated with him and going from there but another you know i've not had a ton of time around the i've been in a few meetings where he was leading um so i've obviously seen him around a ton and Personally, I'm happy for him to finally get that chance to be an AD. I know it's – I'm sure that was one of his career goals is to do that and to have that opportunity. It's good for him.
0: Yeah, it is. And uh, when that news becomes official, wishing the best of luck. And i go to miss seeing Dwayne around. I think my favorite thing Dwayne says is leftovers. I think that's <laughs> yeah. the favorite – my favorite thing that Dwayne says after those games, after those late college basketball games, is when he comes out and says leftovers to the media. We all just uh, sort of scramble and go back there and get the Rafferty's and whoever, whoever else serves the team that night. So the you want to miss that. Care,
1: aren't they? They,
0: they're they? are definitely taking care of. We are, too. I mean, <laughs> I, I like to think that uh, that's probably the reason I put on a few pounds during basketball <laughs> season. So uh, whoever the guy is that – or woman that replaces Dwayne, I hope they say leftovers, and then they'll they'll be one of my favorites, too. <laughs> <laughs> no question. Sure. But uh, transitioning this thing to college football – where there's ever-changing news in that sport. Derek, uh, we've mentioned in the last few episodes that Kentucky would probably be playing in front of empty stadiums, but that's not going to be the case as of right now. Now, that could change. But Auburn announced that they will operate with 20% capacity. So that's roughly, I think, 93,000 people in that stadium, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around there. I think the number that I've seen thrown out is 17,500, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, which is a solid group of people, but it's still going to be a very, very empty stadium. So I don't know the impact it will technically have. You have to think that some of that allotment will go to Kentucky for parents and mm-hmm. friends of family. I'm not sure the number. Now, I think the next thing that Kentucky fans would want to know that I've seen is how many – will any of those tickets be allotted to just the common fan or just a fan at Kentucky? I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be – how it will work because then UK and these other schools will probably have to do the same thing. So I'm assuming it'll be family first with UK. So you might get a crowd of 500 people from UK possibly maybe a little more.
1: Yeah. 17,500. So that was a number.
0: Uh, That's the number that I've heard.
1: Okay. Yeah. In a 93,000 seat stadium, still going to feel empty. I'm assuming, but at the same time, I think you can get a decent amount of noise. From that many people. So I, one of the things that I thought was going to be strange was baseball in an empty stadium I didn't think it was going to be weird at all because you have some noon or whatever first pitches out on a Wednesday in July. That place is damn near empty anyway. So I didn't think it was going to be that crazy. Football, though, I mean, you're just so accustomed to college football, especially in the SEC, as being packed, you know, every seat filled. It was definitely going to seem weird, and it will still seem weird. But at the same time, I don't think you have to have as much of that artificial crowd noise or whatever these teams could do. I mean, I think you'll be able to get some fans Um, sort of off topic. And there were more fans than I, – I wonder what UK's number would be then. I'm not a math major at all, so doing this in my head's not good. But I'm thinking like UK would probably be around like 12,000 to 15,000, something if, like that, if they did 20% or
0: 25%. If they go 20%, it would be – Around 12,000 because, what, the capacity six a little over 60,000?
1: Yeah, it's been reduced, right, over yeah. the year. Yeah,
0: so <laughs> you'd probably get 12,000. I think the, the interesting thing to look at is when it comes to the box seating and the people that, you know, have the privileges of sitting in the boxes around Kroger Field and these other stadiums, I wonder if they try to use that but just maybe limit the amount of people in each box because that seems like you could have a group of five or six people. Yeah per box so maybe that adds to attendance I don't know but as far as in the stadium in the stands 12,000 people at Kroger Field you do you will UK students get a section of that I know Auburn mentioned that student allotment there will be I think they'll get maybe the first uh, first choice of that I don't know how I don't know what the numbers were exactly on that but that'll be something to watch too so then is the band part of this what all factors into this attendance, I think that'll be something to watch. But I do think that we will agree on that, that it won't be awkward. It will be less awkward if you can yeah, fit 12,000 to 17,000 people in the stands. I mean, Derek, there were – there were U.K. football games last – excuse me, last year where there's a downpour, and there were significantly less than 30,000 people in the stands. So – and it wasn't awkward. I mean, those, those guys fed off the energy, and it's so loud with the music – and all, all the other things that go into play, the they actually have the speakers down on the field there by the cheerleaders that pump in some of the music mm-hmm. and some of the, the band noise and stuff like that. I don't even think it'll be awkward. It might look awkward on T V, but as far as being there as a player, I don't think they'll have any effects of this.
1: No, I'm glad that it sounds like these schools are at least at the start of the year gonna be able to have some fans because it will make the it'll make it better for people. It won't feel as much like a it would almost like a scrimmage to me if you were playing in front of empty stadiums. Um, But I'm thinking one of the games I thought of, and there were obviously more than 12,000 people on the stands, but I think 08 Arkansas, I can remember a lot of people left that game. Those who stayed and watched UK come back that game talked about how loud the stadium, uh, that it was louder then, than when the stadium was full before. And I mean, you get 12,000 rowdy people in there, you can make some noise. So I don't know, like you said, how how it's going to be broken up and whatever, but enough to where it should make things somewhat interesting and enough to to have an environment, I guess, because otherwise it was going to be tough. So I hope that – I mean, my hope would be that we could get this thing under control a little bit more and that as the year goes on, you can increase the capacity, maybe by the – end of the year when you play South Carolina at home maybe you could have more than 12,000 fans in there I don't know the way it's going right now I don't think it's something we should count on but good for the people and I I know it's going to cause problems anytime you have to reduce capacity or whatever UK is going to have to make decisions on who gets these tickets and that's going to rile people up I'm sure and rightfully so if you're someone who pays I get it I totally understand it but this is not going to be an easy thing for UK to decide and uh, either way I hope that this is the only year that we have to deal with reduced capacity. And, and by 21, when UK should still have a good team, I, I hope that, you know, you can pack that stadium out again.
0: Yeah, and Georgia actually uh, permitted 25% capacity. So it's, it's going to be different, I think, per school, which at Georgia, 25%, that's probably a significant amount higher because I think they see it's – isn't it more, the capacity more there for Sanford Stadium? It's Never. close to 100, I think. Uh, so some of these bigger SEC stadiums, clearly they're going to have a Maybe little bit. Two thousand. Okay. So somewhere in the same ballpark then, like but
1: the largest yeah, in the country, uh,
0: but those stadiums like Georgia Neyland stadium, I mean, Neyland has holds over a hundred thousand people. They're going to fit more people in with that capacity than Kentucky would. I mean, it's going to be at least a, probably six or 7,000 more people given 20% or so somewhere through that number. But Uh, it'll be interesting to watch how this thing goes throughout the season and who fits into that and how they do it I don't know the I've had a lot of people ask me about season tickets and stuff and I mean 20 percent. there's no way that you can fit all season ticket holders in there I don't know if they'll do a lottery to see who gets that or what Derek I just think that those are all decisions that are going to be difficult ones for these athletic departments and and things to make and I'm sure that people that paid for season tickets there will be a way to refund that or give credit moving forward we'll just have to wait and see uh we'll wait on that to now i did somebody did forward me an email and i haven't posted this yet and I, i mentioned it to you yesterday it it was from mitch barnhart and it was sent monday looks like kentucky will have fans in the stands i mean assuming that everything at that at the state and local government they get approval to do these things but Uh, Some of the expectations that Barnhart included in the email said physical distancing will require Kroger field to have greatly reduced capacity. Parking lots are anticipated to open three hours prior to kickoff guidelines for tailgating to the extent it is, it is possible under public health regulations are being established and gates are anticipated to open two hours prior to kickoff. Okay. Gates two hours prior to kickoff. That's normal. Tailgating. It looks like they're going to look at options to tailgate. And then the whole greatly reduced capacity. So all those things tell you that Kentucky's going to have somebody in the stands at home football games this fall, but we'd still have to wait and see what comes out of that. It's obviously going to be different state by state.
1: It will be. And the likelihood is, I mean, if you're a fan of UK and you have season tickets, I mean, I don't know if they're going to do a certain games, maybe you can go. I would just be guessing. I'm, I'm looking at it from my perspective, Sean. I mean, I I feel like if you're a fan, you're going to be spending most of your time watching on TV this year. And you're not people who choose to do that. You're not people who say, okay, I'm still not really sure about this. If I want to be in a place with 12,000 people, even though in a stadium like that you could spread people out easily. I mean, that won't be a, that won't be a problem, but you know, some people are more risk takers than others, but I'm thinking from us. I mean, I think I've covered – I counted it up. I've covered like close to 40 straight UK football games. And the way the media is going this year, I assume, will be all via Zoom, which is just totally fine. I understand it. you don't want to take any more risk than uh, you need to. But I'm guessing for for me, like, and you probably too, like, one, I don't know if we're even going to be allowed to go to visiting stadiums. And, two, what would be the point if everything's going to be – on Zoom anyway. So, selfishly, I look forward to every Saturday, traveling, even if, if you go on the road, it's fun. But for me, too, like I'll, I'll probably be like most people watching the games, uh, at least the road games, from my couch, which is something that's going to be new. I mean, really, it's not something I've done in five years.
0: I think my number is at 38 straight that I've covered. So, the, the last game that I didn't cover was Southern Miss in the 2017 season i've covered every single uk football game in person since then i know you've been there we've yeah. uh, we've we've been in the car together at some of these games sitting in traffic for two hours <laughs> looking for a parking spot yeah, at the okay. belt bowl when we had a parking pass
1: <laughs> like, we could have walked 15 minutes from the hotel to the- yeah
0: instead we and it yeah. ended up just being you left in the car looking for <laughs> for the parking lot so i well, it's not a fan
1: of the Belk Bowl. Whenever the Belk Bowl went away that year, I was kind of okay with it, just given how that whole experience was. But
0: So maybe sitting on the couch isn't a bad idea, Derek, because then we don't have to find the parking. But, no, you make a good point there. It'll be weird for everyone. And like you said, we don't know if we'll even be allowed to go to Gainesville and these other places to cover football. But if we are, we're all going to have decisions to make. And like you said, Zoom interviews, we're all going to have the same quote. So everybody's going to be writing – pretty much if you if anybody puts up something from stoops or terry wilson or somebody you're probably gonna read the same quotes in every story we might have a little bit different opinions Mm -hmm. if we offer our opinions in any kind of story that we publish but uh yeah it's gonna be a weird year for sure with that we'll all have decisions to make i guess the one plus to be to me would be just to feel like it's normal just get out of the house and go do something but then again you got to play it safe with with everything out there too so that's all something that's probably going to find out over the next 3 or 4 weeks that we're going to have to see exactly how this media thing works i mean right now we're they're having to supply us photos and everything cuz nobody's there
1: it's definitely strange <laughs> for sure. But if you're, if you're listening to this and you have an opinion on what UK should do, or what some of these schools should do on who gets to attend games, uh, whether or not you feel safe enough attending a game, just like either tweet at us, leave a comment, let us know. We'd like to hear your feedback. This is not just a, you know, a two-man thing. We'd like to hear from you, too. And I'm sure there will be once – the, once the guidelines are set, I'm sure there will be many stories written and people, you know. That's something I've thought about, reaching out to people who are season ticket holders or even just people in general who maybe come to three or four games a year, even though they don't have season tickets. I just – I'm interested in hearing from fans because it's going to be a – it's going to be probably a touchy thing and it's something UK's not to smooth over. And hopefully it's not something that keeps people away long-term if, if there are some problems this year. And
0: Derek, we we kind of fit into a uh, into the fan mode because at one point, before we were doing the job that we do on the beat, we were fans, and we sat in that stand in those stands. Probably, I'm sure you was there a season where you didn't that you didn't miss a home game, uh, or at least attend over seventy percent of uh, them. Because
1: I'd say in most years I went to at least one. I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, there were always people who I knew growing up who had tickets. I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't think of a year where I didn't go to a, to yeah. at least one game.
0: That's me up until, let's see, the year before I started covering. So, 2017 was my first year covering Kentucky. Th- that prior year, I went to six games Yeah, and sat in the stands. And then I was at Knoxville when they played Tennessee. So, it's one of those things where – it's going to be a different year. You have families that travel to all twelve games,
1: and I've still and bought tickets. I bought, uh, I think, the last two years for my brother. I, I bought him tickets for Florida games, so I've still pitched in some money, I guess, to to you. Yeah,
0: well, and, and two, you know, that's and your brother's a good example. I mean, he South Carolina last year, he was there. I mean, the bowl game. So it's it's changing. It's everyone's everyone's fall is going to be significantly different than what it usually is. If you're a UK football fan, if you're a Tennessee football fan, Florida football fan, it doesn't matter who you're a fan of. It's, it's going to be different. And like you said earlier, hopefully this is the only year that we have to navigate this and just hope and pray fingers crossed that 2021 is normal. If we could skip to 2021 right now, I would. I would literally give up whatever is about to happen with the NBA, whatever's about to happen with the NFL, college football. I'd say, just forget it. Let's just get the 21 and wake up. Derek, though,
1: Sean would say maybe it won't be any better. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: true. But maybe we're one day closer to it being better. Right. That's what I just keep telling myself every morning. I wake up like here, here I am again. Let's uh let's see what today, what today holds in store. But Derek, one more thing too, on the college football front and, probably save the biggest for last. So Pete Thamel yesterday tweeted sources, the NCAA division one council decided today that fall sports student athletes can compete in any amount of competitions this year, and it will not count as a season of eligibility. Uh, This still needs to be approved by NCAA board of governors on Friday. That was word for word. What Thamel tweeted when you see that Derek, for example, Just naming a player here. I mean, it's obviously for everyone, but let's name Terry Wilson, who is a fifth-year guy, red-shirted. He could play all 10 games this season. And if there's a bowl game, could play the 11th game and then get a full season of eligibility in 21 if this passes.
1: How do you feel about that?
0: Well, it's going to mess with scholarship numbers for sure. Uh, Because then you're talking – but then again, too, we should note that not every college football player is going to come back for another year. Some will start their careers in their profession that they've been going to school for and majoring. But then you have guys that – if who wouldn't do this? Like, if you're an NFL hopeful, why would you even leave and pursue being a fringe pick if you have a whole other year? And for a guy like Terry Wilson, this could be huge. If you have aspirations of playing in the NFL, coming off an injury – it's not all on this, but then again, when you look at what can Kentucky, how Kentucky's recruited this position with Joey Gatewood and some other guys, it kind of complicates things just a little bit and it's not just Whoa, for I Kentucky. Would say more
1: than just a little bit,
0: more <laughs> than just a little bit. Let me change the wording there. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people in that situation. So then what does this do to the transfer portal and the transfer rule? It's going to be, I like I, I be said, yeah. COVID-19 has changed everything. It's, the effects of COVID-19 on sports, I still think whenever, let's say we have a vaccine and everything's good to go, we'll still be seeing some some things rolling down the hill six months after.
1: I, personally, after, you know, I didn't spend all night thinking about it. I, I spent a little bit of time last night when I saw that. At first, I was like, wow, that's that's incredible. I mean, you could have, like, this This might be a good thing for UK long term. But I don't know that I agree with the whole blanket eligibility thing for every single player because, I mean, I I don't know why you would be given a free year. And I think it, I think it will cause problems. No, I mean, you're in a a economic shortfall already. You're going to be losing. I thought, I think I saw Tennessee, even with, even if they do get their 20% or whatever in the stands, they're still looking at close to uh, close to $40 million in losses this year. UK I'm sure is going to be similar. Uh, And then you want to add, more scholarships to, to that equation, more kids to supply. I mean, I don't know that every school's going to want to partake in this. So I'm thinking even, even the, the effect of if you do have a roster with however many people on it, like, will that limit opportunities for kids in high school who are coming up? Will there still be as many scholarships for those kids to take? I think it's something that if, like baseball, that, that didn't come out and the extra year wasn't granted until the season was already canceled altogether. There was nothing that could have been done. To me, this makes sense in baseball, or sorry, in football, if you don't play a season, like it would make sense for the Big Ten kids, it would make sense for the Pac-12. Yeah. But if you if you play eleven games this year, and then it's just like it didn't even count. I mean, I think it'll make rosters better long term because I mean, am I wrong in thinking about it? Like, if you are a true freshman this year, or if you're a redshirt freshman, let's use like a kid like JJ Weaver, played four games last year. Could play this year, and wouldn't he essentially just be a freshman again next year?
0: He would be, and then two years of being a freshman. And you mentioned if you're playing ten games this season, and it doesn't count like for anything towards eligibility, then I think we can all agree the only reason it's being played is for money. Yeah. So you know,
1: why even play if you're a kid if it doesn't if it doesn't even matter? I don't know. It's I don't think it's something that I think it's nice in theory that like you're saying okay these things could happen. Everyone's gonna get another year if they want it. But I think it's not gonna be I just think I see a lot of kids get processed well, because of this because schools are gonna keep kind of going how they were, and I don't know.
0: What does it do to recruiting? Like Kentucky's twenty twenty-two class or well, we along the lines. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's doing these things like right now, let's 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 take a position running back. So you're telling me AJ Rose could be back, Cavassier Smoke, Chris Rodriguez. All the – Juton McLean coming in, Tisdale. I mean, all these guys that they have could be back on top of whatever they bring in. Then you're talking eight or nine running backs. How, how does that work? Which it, I'm assuming that some people would leave at each position and not come back just given that they'd, they're ready to start their career or transfer or something along those lines. But just when you look at a position like that where there's already limited snaps – I mean, it hurts you long-term just because of what you've recruited that it just doesn't keep the ball rolling. Then you lose people elsewhere.
1: Yeah, it's not just a one-year deal either. Like, yeah, you can expand the rosters for 2021, but you're going to run into the same issues. I mean, down there, like, that, that was the name of the baseball thing. It was Yeah, it's nice that they're doing this, but it's going to cause headaches. And I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer to it, I just think schools are going to have to make decisions that I feel bad for them because if a school decides, okay, well, we, we just, we can't support all these kids for another year. And maybe it makes them look bad. I don't, I don't personally think it does just because it's not something you plan for, but I'm sure there are, there are kids. You don't think Stoops would love to have Jake Jackson and Landon Young for another year. I mean, of course he would, but (laughs) both of those guys will probably be playing professionally next year anyway. So there might not be much incentive for those guys to come back, but. I don't know. Is there anyone on UK's roster who, if this does pass, and I'm assuming it will, who you think this this could really benefit them, any seniors? I, the one guy I thought of, and he's like a genius anyway, so I don't know how much he – might, he might already be in, getting his master's. I have no idea. But I thought someone like Luke Fortner, who's not yeah. like an obvious NFL draft prospect like some of the other guys, but he's a very, very smart kid who maybe he looks at it and thinks, well, I mean, if I get one more free year added where I can start – all you know, my degree even more, I mean, maybe he finds that appealing. And I think that when you look at the losses that this line is supposed to take after 2020, it might be a pretty big boost to get a kid like that back.
0: Yeah, it would. And then I mentioned Terry Wilson just because of coming off the injury and and things like that. But then again, I mean, it, you just look at the whole situation. Uh, Phil Hoskins, I mean, if this works out for him, wouldn't that be like a seventh yeah. year? Yeah. So you're, you're talking almost a decade that someone could be at Kentucky. I mean, it's just, it's wild to think what could come of this. I think if let's say four or five people from each team stay, then it's manageable. But if you have an entire class return, uh, I don't know I don't know how you navigate those numbers and I don't know how you, those snaps and everything with, with red shirts and all that. It just, uh, it seems like a headache that I really wouldn't want to be responsible for, for uh, making decisions for it all.
1: Yeah. Overall, I think I'm going to say I'm not really a fan of this. We'll see. I'm sure it's going to benefit some kids, but in the long haul, I don't I don't think it's going to be a great thing. And I would not be surprised if a lot of schools just say, listen, we just we, – we can't do this. I mean, at least for the seniors coming back. You know, you recruit kids and you get kids on campus with the idea that their time will eventually come. And if you look at UK's QB situation, I mean – I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'm not, I'll leave it there. I'll leave it at that. I mean, I, I just think that,
0: uh, Oh, well, like you said yesterday, program needs
1: to move on. you know, program has to move on at a certain point and you just don't need to keep, I guess, running the same kind of things out there, but who knows? Uh, we'll see who takes advantage of it and who does. And I'll, I'll be really, I think we get stupid on Saturday. And by that point it should be approved, uh, because I think they're voting out tomorrow, right? So I will be very curious to see what he has to say, or if he's even going to really comment on that at all at this point, because he might not have spent a lot of time thinking about it.
0: Yeah, if, it, if it's anything like the other day at the beginning, he's going to be sort of uh, hesitant to yeah. really comment on anything. And not gonna on he's not going like to
1: speculate on it. He's
0: not. So you mentioned this, though, and you were sort of getting there. Joey Gatewood didn't transfer to Kentucky to sit. You, you've said it yesterday. So here's here's the plan for Kentucky's quarterbacks, and I think it's evident. And, I mean, it, everybody should know this. Terry Wilson this year, Joey Gatewood for two, and then Bo Allen. I mean, that's clearly the, the pattern. I mean, two, one, two, two, if you're looking at it. And then you have whoever else uh, comes in after that. So if, if Stoops had an ideal five-year plan at the quarterback spot, I have a feeling that's what it would look like.
1: Another thing I was confused on is if Gatewood doesn't get – cleared this year would he lose a year does he still have three years
0: because yeah.
1: if he plays like you would think it's just three it's like guys have a six-year clock now not a five-year clock if this is what they do
0: yeah if
1: that's what if that's the decision
0: they make then obviously joey gate would, would be a sophomore at kentucky next year yeah so oh for his
1: sake i mean i guess it wouldn't be horrible for him if that's what <laughs> happens and it wouldn't be that bad for uk because that to me that was a thing that was kind of that's why you want him eligible this year because you can do. You know, in theory, you get three years out of him versus if he has to sit out, you basically lose a whole year. You can't even see him out there. And then whenever he did start next year, like I assume he will, you wouldn't really know what you're getting. But at least this year, you would you would have an idea what you were getting if you got to see him. I don't know. Like I said, I'm going to stick with the stance that I don't love it right now. But I, I do see why the NCAA would want to pass that. But at the same time, I, I think you're going to see a lot of kids kind of get hurt in this process.
0: In my opinion, it, it fits more for the volleyball and those sports that are that aren't playing fall sports right now. That's where it why fits. Does, the yeah, most. why
1: does the football have to approve it now? That's what I don't understand. Yeah,
0: because that's where that would fit to me. Uh, but we will have Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated on for Friday's episode, and he's going to talk about that and some Kentucky football and some other things. And he actually, Derek, he just tweeted uh, with Notre Dame's test results with COVID it's he said since school's began five Notre Dame football players have tested positive the school yeah. had reported just four other positives all summer so we're seeing that you know with with now everybody with stuff coming to campus and people with school starting and things we're going to see some some numbers go up so i don't i don't know what to tell people <laughs> over the next 7 days because i have a feeling you know we've hit, it seems like it's been a pattern where we've been like okay we're in the clear okay, now things are looking like we're not in the clear again with all these positive tests. And then we get the news that SEC, ACC, Big 12 is going to move forward. Schedules come out. Derek, I'm going to go ahead, and I'm not being pessimistic with this. I'm just – I think I'm being realistic. There's going to be another period before we get to that kickoff date where we're going to have to survive that period too before we play football, I feel like. That's just the way it's going to go. There's going to be some more discussions probably with some – maybe some loose ends of do we play – and if they can survive that, maybe we do. So, I'm going to ask you this. What would be your percentage chance that we get to September 26th and have the first game of the college football season? Caught you off as guard of here a little bit. Yeah, as of day. And I don't know. That just popped into my head.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I can put a firm percentage on it. I I think some of the hardest parts are behind them. I think just getting it started back was a real challenge. And now that they've got kids in fall camp, I mean, obviously Notre Dame's showing that it's got some problems. I think what these schools have to deal with, and I think it was tweeted at Josh Moore, and it was a good point. I mean, it was a guy who said that, you know, you're about a week away from sending every kid home who's not a football player so the football team can have a bubble. And if you're a student there and you paid your tuition, I get it. I see where that's problematic. I I can understand it. At the same time, I don't know that this is going to work unless that happens. So you got to decide. I guess these schools have to decide what's what's most important. And financially, I think you know the answer. What's most important to these schools is that they at least have some football revenue. Um,
0: to me, it should have been just delayed. Like this, the semester should have started virtually. To at least early September, in my opinion, and then look. But then, how do you do that? Then the bottom so if you, line
1: for the schools is not as good. Unless, I mean,
0: exactly. And then, if you delay it, I guess if you delay it till September and you're you're learning online, how in the world do you have a time frame where you move kids on campus? And if it's only for right. like six weeks, what's oh, the yeah. point?
1: It's so, a mess. I mean, it's hard to justify. Like, I thought about, I thought about for myself. If I already like for me, I was working for rivals getting a getting a decent paycheck really I mean my junior year of college through my senior year I I thought if this would have happened going into my senior year I don't know that I even want to take in classes this year if I already had a job and this was going on I don't know that it would have been worth it to pay the tuition that they want you to pay if you don't even know if you'll be in classes or not if it'll all be online so I'm sure there were kids out there who were going to colleges who, who were taking a year off and I think that was probably what scared some of these schools was that if it's virtually only, can you justify the cost of tuition and, and room and board and all that stuff if those kids aren't there? And I hate to think that these schools were knowing that, you know, okay, we'll start it up so we'll get all that money and then we'll pull the plug. So I know like North Carolina, they, they were given full refunds, but I don't know that every school's going to do that.
0: Uh, I'm with you there. Uh, it's going to be interesting to, uh, to see how all this plays out. I mean, it's definitely – it's coming quick with everything i mean we're we're staring down the barrel of college football season there's not much time Derek, for all these decisions to really be made so i would expect two or three ground groundbreaking stories weekly around college football season just with changes and everything but uh we're just going to sit back
1: if they if they can get it started that from that point on i'm just like if you can at least get it started there's a much better chance you can finish it whereas if this stuff i don't know does that make sense yeah
0: i think so I, I feel like if it starts honestly i i know in the past we've talked that if it starts what are the chances that they do finish it i'm starting to think that if it starts that they finish it that's i that's just feel like kind
1: of mean. i mean because
0: it's like starting the race you know what i mean like if you just get the, the flag and they get the, to go then you're moving forward with it and then you can look at things and see how they go I mean, I'm pretty sure there's college football games scheduled for September third.
1: Yes. So good we're
0: gonna to get to we're gonna get a few weeks to see how this thing plays out, but it's not playing out on the same level as it's playing out in the SEC. So then you're you're just I mean you're talking the highest level of college football. I don't know, Derek. It's just I hope we get to play. I mean, it, I feel I feel really good today that it's gonna be played. I would probably set it. The question I ask you, I would put 85% that we get to September 26th. I think the only way that we don't get to that point is if, God forbid, something tragic happens.
1: That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. It probably only takes one case of that, and it's done.
0: And it's done. And I think that that and, – and, and that's not the only thing that we should be hoping for just for football to be played. We should be hoping for that regardless. Mm-hmm. So – and I'm talking not only at the collegiate level, but at the high school level. I mean, if something tragic happens related to COVID-19 – with a healthy student-athlete, then I think it could change things on a national scene. Uh, but so far, Derek, I, I think that right now we're seeing some uh, cardiac issues with some athletes with coming out. And I'll ask you this, too. Which What school was it? Did you find that earlier when I asked you?
1: I uh, think it was FAU. No, oh, I'm okay. sorry, Georgia State. It was Georgia State.
0: So a, a player at Georgia State, was it a quarterback? I don't yeah. remember. Uh, He's not going to be able to play the 2020 season due to a a heart issue related to COVID-19. A true freshman quarterback, he's out for the season, diagnosed with a heart condition related to COVID-19. Uh, he'll be back for 21, though. So it's, it's one of those things. But here's my thing, Derek. He mentions in his note that it was the procedures and tests set forth by Georgia State that allowed doctors to find this condition. So I'll get back to you on this. These kids, they've said it, they feel safer on campus. Are they safer on campus when it comes to having eyes on them for situations like that?
1: I'd say it's hard to argue the point if, if that kid found it out because of the doctors. I mean, my, my whole – I wouldn't even call it an issue. Just the only thing that confused me whenever – I think it was not that Trevor Lawrence was vocal about why they needed to have a season and how safe they were. And at that point, if they were still going to be having in-person classes, then my thing was like, well, why would you leave? Like, even if you didn't play football, why would you have to leave to campus? But obviously Notre Dame, like where they sent, they sent kids home, right? Notre Dame, North Carolina, these schools did. Well, if that's the case, then, yeah, if you do cancel football, then I guess those kids will get sent home too. And, that, and then at that point, I think that there is a point there that uh, you're going to be going to environments where you're obviously not going to be tested as much as you are then and you're not going to be under the same kind of care that you're under there, under uh, – during the football season. So, yeah, I, I, I think there's definitely a point to be made there, and anything that could happen, you're going to have quick uh, treatment, and they probably are safer in that regard. So, that's just another reason to for those kids, thinking personally for them, I'm sure they are hoping that they can play, play their season this year.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. So, we'll have Ross Dellinger on Friday's episode to talk about everything that happens around college football. We're recording this episode – uh, around one thirty Eastern time on Thursday. So whatever happens in the afternoon, late afternoon, evening hours of Thursday, we'll cover it on Friday. Uh, but this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily, not the episode, Derek. So uh, we're just moving right along here. Episode ten tomorrow with Ross Dellinger. We'll see you then.